Science has been a very powerful tool in deciphering the physical mysteries of reality. We've discovered that causality is governed by the speed of light, that all matter is the various interactions between fields of probability, and that human genetic engineering is terrifyingly feasible. But there's one question science has yet dared to ask. If the universe is so big, why won't it fight me? To help answer this question, we brought on as our guest, local favorite and tribal happy man, David Perry. Hello! Welcome to the Arbitrarium Podcast. Thank you. All right, so, um, why won't science even pose this question? Well, Garrett, I think they've had they, they they've had some conversations about it, but I think by and large, it's been um, sort of unanimously decided that it's a really fucking stupid question. But we here at the Arbitrarium, that's what we're here for. We're here to answer really fucking stupid questions. For so, your entertainment. Yes, in the spirit of answering really fucking stupid questions, let's tackle it. So first, why would the why would the universe even want to fight me? Oh, I mean, well now we're, we, we're starting off big. We're starting off the, with a big question. We're saying that the universe should... Well, are you assuming that the universe wants anything? I'm going to say that the universe should want anything it wants. But, but what, if, what if it doesn't want anything? Maybe that's, well, maybe that's the whole answer. Well, then it's a bitch. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> maybe maybe you're, the first problem is that you're assuming that it has want. I don't know why it wouldn't. I mean, it made itself, presumably depending on who you ask. Mm. So it at least wants to make itself, because it did it already, right? Yeah, and what's really funny about this conversation is that you and I have had this conversation before, but I was doing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was making the argument, which I actually plan to write about, the argument that because there is a, um, a movement, we'll say, a movement of the universe going from one state to another in I would basically say fractal directions in every which way possible the fact that there seems to be things that the universe likes for lack of better words um, you know, prefers prefers that's a, that's a better word it's, it's some things that the universe prefers that there is uh, some kind of decision happening on a fundamental level okay so if we're going to start from the bottom, maybe we'll start with that. Why or how how do we know that the universe wants something? Because it does things in a particular order. It shows preference. Okay. <clears throat> so now we've established. Well, I prefer that it put a duke. It's dukes up, and let's do this. Okay. Well, what do you? What what, what what's your beef with the universe? <clears throat> I mean, I don't know why anyone wouldn't have a beef with the universe. I mean, you're you're called into existence without even being asked, and now you're suddenly forced to. Find your own meaning? Come on. That's some bullshit, man. Okay, so we're going... <laughs> well, I don't... This isn't really nihilism. <laughs> I mean, there's some nihilistic elements to it, I guess, but that's mostly an attitude. Um, okay, so you're called into existence. You didn't ask to be here, so why the fuck... Why, why the fuck should you... It's not even... That's the th interesting <laughs> thing. It's not even a question of why Why were you... Why, why should you exist? Why should you be responsible for any of this? You've gone beyond that point. And now, it's like, no, I am resentful, and the universe had better fucking fight me. Yeah. Right now. Because I'm angry. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do to the universe if it steps up? I think... What's your plan for beating <clears throat> the universe? My plan for beating the universe is... Step one... Give it a really hard think. Step two... Reverse entropy, and then I can win. But the universe... 
theoretically has some measure of control over causality. How are you going how are you going to get around that? Theoretically has how, how are you going to get how are you going to get around the universe pulling a bull and Ted on your ass? A bull and Ted? A bill and Ted. Did I say bull and Ted? You said bull and Ted. I meant bill and Ted. Fix it in post. <laughs> so if the universe pulls a bill and Ted on me mm-hmm. through some time travel bullshit, then it's own, it's already breaking its own rules. It so in that. that in that way, by violating its own, I don't know, procedures, then I have somewhat won because it had to do that to fight me. No. No, you still lost. Because you're dead. No, at that point, I would never have been called into existence, wouldn't have been angry, and the fight never would have had to happen. That's really a win for the universe, though. Yeah, I, I still get what I want. <laughs> well, you didn't establish what you wanted. <laughs> I want to fight the universe. But then you didn't fight the universe because it, 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 it made you not exist before you had a chance to fight. But it had to fight me to make me not exist. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. No, it didn't. Mm-hmm. No, because it the, already... The act of implementing the Bill and Ted... Garrett erasure program in and of itself would be, I guess, like, I don't know, throwing a left hook. I'll, I'll take that. No, but see, because the causality didn't actually happen. It didn't need to happen. No, it has to continually happen each time. If you're breaking causality, then you're, you're going to be going through time loops. Because if it doesn't do that, then I'm back and then it has to do it again. So it has to continually prevent me from existing in you every sure serious that's how it works? Life. Well, it depends on how time travel actually works. <laughs> Are we going alternate universe theory? Are we going to, um, fixed time like curves? Well, okay. <laughs> are we going the are, are we going the route of uh, grandfather paradoxes? Grandfather paradoxes? Yes. Explain that one. Okay, so let's say in my attempt to avoid the misery of being called into existence, I go back in time and shoot my grandfather when he's in the crib. Oh, okay. Therefore, he cannot exist, or he cannot, you know, procreate. Therefore, my father is never born. Therefore, I am never born. Therefore, I never go back in time and right. kill my grandfather. Right. So I am created. And then I go back. Yeah, that, that's the grandfather paradox. Okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I just don't know it you, had a name. Now, you can play that through that continual loop. Instead of going, you know, thinking about it as one loop, it's actually two mm-hmm. that can keep repeating. And then you don't necessarily have a paradox at that point. Yeah, but at that point, are you just coming up with an answer to satisfy the question or are you coming up with an answer because it is the answer <laughs> i don't know mm. i mean we're getting into you know very theoretical physics uh the only way that we're, we'll be able to answer that one is if someone invents time travel at which point we can beat the universe by not letting it exist in the first place so your great plan for beating the universe is um suicide actually it's there's, in it's some so cultures, big, there isn't even a word for it. In some cultures, it's deicide. And that, okay, that would be the biggest <laughs> word I can think for it. Deicide. And if, if you can do that, well, I mean, pat yourself in the back. Yeah, but see, I feel... Because no. you get to keep what you kill in this scenario. No, no, no. <laughs> see, the way that that seems to work to me is... To me, that's you staring at yourself in the mirror and saying, I know how to beat you, and pulling a gun... And, and shooting yourself in the head. It worked for Edward Norton. Yeah, but he had another personality he was trying to get rid of, and that whole scene was kind of bullshit. I mean, it's a great movie. I love Fight Club, but that scene was kind of dumb. Well, in the in the book, he's rendered retarded, but he does actually survive. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so it's different than in the movie. Yeah, it, it is. Because no one wanted to see a, retar- a retarded Edward Norton after that movie. Mm. They wanted to see him win. They never saw the score? Although, to be fair, he wasn't actually retarded in that movie. He was pretending to be retarded. Hmm. Are we allowed to use retarded? 
Um, probably not. Because I, I know I, I know Kirk. Oh was yeah, she a little... she she didn't like that. Um, mentally handicapped. I don't know. It's like cognitively challenged, differently abled. I think is the way. I don't know. It, it it changes quite a bit. But I guess we could say differently abled. Bullet induced cognitive. I feel like we're being more insulting by exploring this space than if we had just left it alone. That was kind of the point. Okay. <laughs> um, if you haven't been able to tell, ladies and gentlemen, this is by no means an, a, a serious conversation. No. We're, we're just having fun with this one. <clears throat> so, so, um, oh boy, where do we go from here? First, we're dealing with time problems to see if we can beat the universe by traveling through time within the universe... It started it in this scenario. You started the whole universe time traveling to prevent me in existing in the first place. So the the universe started the time travel shenanigans. We're just finishing it by not letting it exist in the first place. No, it's not letting you exist in the first place. Right, and then we're back to the grandfather paradox if that's the way you want to go about it. If you're going with fixed time like curve, then... um, it's it's kind of a take on determinism. Okay, so well, we can do this. Um, do we want to indulge in, in in infinite universe theory here? Multiple, I mean, infinite multiples of the universe. Because okay, in that well, situation, in, I've I've won in every in 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 half of the infinities, and the universe is one in the other half of the infinities. No, because okay, so we're <laughs> we're, we're we we are we're limiting the universe to. Okay, iterations of the universe. Right, that, that's what I mean. Multiple universe theory. Well, then how do you, how have you won in half and lost in the other half? Well, because it goes infinitely in both directions, in every direction, which way? So, if there is a slight possibility that I could fight and win against the universe, then if it can happen over a long enough time scale, it will. Now, when we're talking about multiple timelines and multiple universes. Um, they're, you're, you're kind of running off into infinity. Therefore, even the very smallest chance becomes an infinite chance of it happening. Yeah. Because it will have happened in infinity of times. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I'm going to say, if it's possible for me to beat the universe in, I, I want to say, a fist fight, <clears throat> then I will have fought and won the universe. In, in some in iteration. A, in a cage match, somewhere. But here's the thing. The universe gets to exist in infinite iterations. You do not. No, I do. That's, no, you that, die in those. <laughs> I die in half of them. At least half of them. The universe does it not. It could just knock me out and not... The I universe think, is... I think if the universe knocked me out, I probably would say, all right, you win. We're talking about infinite <clears throat> universes, right? Which means there are an infinite number of universes. Which means if there are an infinite number of universes and not an infinite number of yous, because you die in at least minimum half of them. I'm not sure exactly where you're getting that well, number. Because if it's infinite, there's no half. Um, no, you can have half of infinity and it's still infinity. That That is how infinity works. It's It's crazy. That doesn't make sense. It it does. Come on. Where's the halfway point in infinity? Um, wherever you want to put it, really, because it it doesn't matter. Everything's infinity at at the infinity point. So if it doesn't matter, then there is no infinity point. There is no halfway. So I win in an infinite un in number of universes, and the universe wins in, in an infinite number of universes. Maybe. 
Maybe because we're dealing with infinite. That's yes. See, that's, a, that's a tricky word. Yeah. Because then we're dealing with paradoxes. Well, it depends. Are they all in the same timeline? You're assuming the timelines. We, well, we already we one of the thing that we one thing that we have seemingly come to understand is that time is relative to space. Yes, time as it flows. Yes, is is intrinsically so, tied to space. Right. So that <clears throat> so that so time is not going to be an overarching an overarching um, element of in, of all of those infinite universes at the same time. It's going to be dependent. It's going to be different in each universe. Well, that's. That that is a uh, general relativity assertion, which we find is true to the best of our ability. <clears throat> All the experimentation that we've done regarding general relativity shows that yes, space and time are intrinsically linked through speed of light, which is really the speed of causality. Mm -hmm. Going back to the first thing we talked about, however, and this is where we start getting into the the really how do we make the universe make sense when we have two competing um, descriptions of the universe that are equally true. Because everything we've thrown at quantum field theory and quantum mechanics also shows, hey, this is also true. But so but but general relativity says things are defined <clears throat> um, not really probabilistic and everything with quantum mechanics is probabilistic. So at what point do do these things merge? That's grand unified theory. If we can come up with that, well, then we'll probably, you know, some people say we've solved physics. Others would say, well, we're probably just discovering a whole new can of worms to open. Now, the infinite worlds and multiple universe interpretation of uh, quantum mechanics is an infinite different number of universes. For each quantum inter interaction on, on that little probability curve where all particles are going to end up... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Well, in every, if a particle ends up here, well, that's one universe created on that probability curve. If one ends up here, that's another universe created on that probability curve. See, to me, that doesn't <clears> make <throat> sense as something considered infinite, 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 because it's still dependent on something. The creation of something is still dependent on 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 if that if it does that. Ah, <clears throat> okay. Here's where we're gonna. That that's for every particle in the universe. Now I know what you're gonna say. Well, there's going to be a finite number of particles because we live in a finite universe. We don't know we live in a finite universe. <clears throat> so we're just we're getting into like theoryception here, though. Um, <clears throat> no, we're still on one theory. <laughs> um, but there is an observable universe. Yes, roughly ninety-six billion light years across. We think. Well, that's the observable mm. universe. Oh, well. That is what we <clears throat> can observe <clears throat> thanks to the expansion or expansion of space. There are points in space that are expanding faster than the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Space itself is not limited by that speed of causality thing. It can do whatever the hell it wants in relation to itself, including moving faster than itself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isn't physics fun, boys and girls? Mm -hmm. So, if we are in an infinite universe, then, well, then there's going... And the multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics is true then there are an infinite number of universes. That doesn't make a lot of sense, because if the in, if the universe Because there will be infinite particles in an infinite universe, each one on its own probability curve, popping up wherever it wants, and... Each... How can the universe itself be infinite if there are multiple universes? How can one universe be infinite if there is more than one of them? I don't know. 
if there's more than one <clears> universe, <throat> then well, then we got multiverse stuff going on, which is another way of saying multiple, uh, multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. Well, see, the reason I'm saying that is that if if we're looking at the universe as you know a three dimensional thing, right? It expands in all directions until we start getting into string theory, which might have it up towards of eleven dimensions. But go on. Okay, but it, if it's if it's expanding in every possible way, mm-hmm. infinitely, how can there be more than one of them? Um, because if there's more than one, let me ask you that question. Let me ask you a question in response to that. One of them. Where is heaven? Where is heaven? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> but um, you see where I'm going with on this, right? Not specifically. Okay. Is heaven in our universe? I don't know. Is it a physical place there? I don't believe it is. Okay. But it does exist. Yes. For lack of better words. I mean, to, to be safe and not get okay. into, into semantics, yeah. The reason I ask that is, well, you're, con- you're contemplating a concept that is outside of the universe... But the universe may be infinite. It's not so, that it's outside of the universe. It's that it exists both within and without the universe. Okay. Well, this is where we're getting into brain theory. Not B-R-A-I-N. B-R-A-N-E. Mm-hmm. Where all these universes are kind of stacked on top of each other. Yeah, it's a flapjack. <laughs> and what separates each one is you know, a, a membrane of sorts. Mm-hmm. I've heard about this one. Yeah. So that that's how you might have infinite universes. But they wouldn't be infinite in all directions. Well, d- depends on how they'd many dimensions a, there are. They'd have a pancake shape if they're stacked. You're you're thinking in three dimensions here. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, our universe might <clears> have <throat> only three dimensions, four if you want to count time. Mm-hmm. But outside of this infinite universe, there could be, I don't know bazillions of different dimensions that ours ours doesn't even touch on but so. see it's it's hard for, this is a, maybe it's a semantic issue it's a conceptual issue for me because i can i cannot understand i cannot conceive of a of a universe that is infinite in all possible ways and 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 that there can be more than one of them because if there's more than one there is a boundary be, between them which means that they cannot in in and of themselves be infinite because okay, there's well, a boundary. Then heaven can't exist in our universe. Yes, it can. If you think of heaven as something... Uh, see, here's where we get tricky. Because <laughs> now we're getting into my personal theories about things. <clears throat> if you think of the universe as being built up from meaning... Well, reality. That's a better way to look at it. If you think of reality as being built up... Uh, its constituent parts are, are not physical, but... Um, what would you say? Abstract. Abstract, metaphysical. We'll say metaphysical. Mm-hmm. If you think of the universe as, or is rea- if you think of reality as being uh, constituted of of meaning, its essential parts are, are are meaning based and not physical, the way we think of physical, not empirical. Then you have heaven as a a conceptual space. It's real. This is not. I'm not saying when I say conceptual space, I, I don't mean imaginary. Mm-hmm. I mean that. The the space of thought is real, but it's not it's not it's not tangible. It's not physical. You know what I mean? That's why we call okay. it metaphysical. And the realm of heaven, I guess, is to me the way that I look at that is that it, that it can be within and without everything, because the universe is built up on meaning, right? When you think about it in terms of chaos and order, and not just 
you know, the the physical attributes of it. Okay. <clears throat> and so, you know, you've got chaos, which I would say is pretty much just the universe and it's well, th- we will say it's reality. I keep I don't want to use that interchangeably because they're not the same thing. <clears throat> it's reality. Reality and, adds a, a, a perceptional that's important bias towards the the. the when I uh, say reality, I, I don't mean bias, right. but you know, it, you in order for it there to be reality, you have to have a universe with perception. Well, what I'm the reason I'm using reality instead of the universe is because reality can exist. If I say reality per se, what I mean is the all. Mm-hmm. The universe, whatever multiple universes there are, everything within and without that, everything. The all is what I'm talking about. Okay. Does that make sense? The everyverse. I call it the omni-railis. The omni-railis? Yes. Is that like a high-speed train? <laughs> no. That just... No. It or- has... Ouroboros? What is that word? Ouroboros? Yes, Ouroboros. No. No, it's not. Although Ouroboros is a... You know what? That's that's too complicated. Let's not let's not let's not do that. Um, but so it, when I, that's what I mean when I say reality. Reality can reality is a thing in and of itself too, right? I mean, it, just because there doesn't have to be a perceptual bias to the idea of of reality, because reality would be whatever everything is, whatever the all is, on its own, absent of observation. That's what I mean when I'm talking about reality. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to start talking about Kant necessarily, but anybody who's listening to this probably knows what I'm getting at. The idea of you know the I'm going to do it anyway, the uh, the uh, phenomenal world and the noumenal world, right? Mm. The phenomenal world is the the uh, the reality of things, <clears throat> things that we can interact with, things that are in physical space, tangible things, empirical things, and then you have the noumenal universe, which is what those things are, absent, like in and of themselves, absent of observation of them, mm. right? So when I look, I don't want to belabor this too much, but when I look at the, at a cup. You know, maybe the cup's orange, but that's just the my phenomenal perception of that cup is that it is an orange copper cup, right? I'm applying things to that cup. That's its phenomenal description. That's what it is as a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. The cup also has a noumenal existence, which is whatever that cup is on its own without perception, applying things to it. So just to try and clarify that. So when I'm talking about um reality being constituted of meaning it what i'm saying is that oh god this is so difficult to explain you don't have time to write a short letter yeah see that's the problem i don't have time to write a short letter but what we're getting at here is that if you think about the universe in terms of um or if you think about reality sorry in terms of being constituted of material of, uh, of meaning and not material things, then you don't run into that problem of where is heaven. Maybe okay. an easier way to dis- easier way to think about it is not in terms of heaven, but God. Right. Mm. You don't need to. You don't need to think about God in terms of where is He necessarily, because God is a concept, but a real concept, a concept that lives on its own, a concept with a life. Presumably. Yeah. So it's built up of meaning. God is constituted of meaning, not God is a man with a beard in the sky, right? So you don't run into this, a lot of those those physical, tangible, empirical problems of description when you think about it in terms of that, and it's just as feasible, and from what I can tell, makes a hell of a lot more sense. Okay. I 
I don't, I, I, it, the other way makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> well, you have to dive into this theory or that theory, and then you've got to figure out what your question, like how you're going to answer your question in this scenario, because there's still, this is a, a guess how things could be in this one way or another. Well, okay, a theory is more than a guess. Well, I know, All but right. I, I'm using, I'm using the, the informal version of theory what's what's a hypothesis that's not even that's, that's even worse well a hypothesis is closer okay um a, a hypothesis is i don't know a guess with direction <laughs> okay maybe a hypothesis would be a better example but or a better better term for that because a theory is backed up by experimentation right so you, you still have to deal in hypotheses right i mean yeah first we have you, to say if well you're, if you're going to learn anything first you got to ask is there something to learn <laughs> Well, that's a whole different issue. I'm just talking about, well, we're, ta we're, we're trying to identify... Like, when you were asking me about which version of time travel are we going to use, it's like, well, we got to go with one and then answer the question. Then we got to go with another one and then answer the question. Then we got to go with another one and then answer the question. Mm -hmm. I mean, that... Well, that's... the reason that these, these are, you know, different hypotheses of time travel is because, to, to the best of our knowledge, no one has ever done it. Mm -hmm. um, the first time someone ends up time traveling, then... But we'll have an answer at least in that form of time travel. Mm. <laughs> That's how you you make this wormhole to make this kind of time travel. You make this kind of wormhole to make a different kind of time travel. And if you don't want to use a wormhole, you get this kind of time travel. We we don't know because no one's ever done it. So that's why we're operating from hypotheses and theories. Mm. Um, although, well, I suppose theories you haven't really done it. You just observed it. And tested it, mm -hmm. and it, it still holds weight. But it seems like your argument here is that no matter what, um, no matter what scenario we look at, you win against the universe. No, no, there's a scenario I couldn't do shit against, <laughs> personally. Um, a micrometeoroid crashing through the ceiling, in at least in this universe, I would, I would definitely lose. How do you come to that conclusion? Well... You have to assume that this is the only universe, because we already established, supposedly, well, that if there were multiple universes, you win in at least a certain percentage of them. Yeah, in this universe, though, and this is the one that I'm actually concerned about, I would lose. Well, if this is the one you're absolutely concerned about, then we're not even... Why are we even asking about multiple You brought universes? up the multiple universe thing. Don't oh, give well, me that you, shit. Okay, well, fine. Then you can lose a whole bunch of different ways if you we're just talking about this particular oh, universe. Oh, yeah. Then we can. We're just talking about this particular fucking timeline. All it has to do is kill you. You brought up the time travel, and the universe started the time travel via your all assertion. Right, fine. Well, if that's all we're doing, then we'll throw all that bullshit out, <laughs> and the universe can very easily win against you because you, you're really fucking weak in the face of a universe. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's got much more power than you. But I mean, I, I I would love to be able to brag that I beat the universe in a fist fight. I don't think it's actually going to happen. All right. Well, here's my argument. So, clearly, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Your complaint is that the universe won't fight you. Right? Yes. I would say that the universe is currently winning... Because I'm living myself to death. Well, no. <laughs> because, um, basically what's happening is you have unrequited spite. And as we've discussed before, not on the podcast, um, the only thing worse than unrequited love is unrequited hatred. So, the universe is winning by letting you live out the misery of not being able to fight it. I don't know. I don't know. 
If it, if it fucks with probability so that I do stub my toe, I can consider that a sign that it hates me back. <laughs> yeah, but it might not be doing that. You may just, this may just all be random bullshit. And you actually, you're losing even more because now you're just caught up in this weird, pathetic, <laughs> blaming the universe for all of your problems loop. And it's just kind of sitting back like, oh, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, kid, don't, don't blame me for your misery. Okay. I created this whole thing. <laughs> All right. I think we are at a breaking point here. Well, break point. <laughs> we may yeah, be I'm at about a to get my point. gloves on. I'm going to got... do this in my backyard universe. <laughs> we got about one minute left. Is there anything you'd like to add before we go to uh, to uh, to our commercial break? Um. No. No. I there there is. I think we could have a lot more fun with this, but we'll, we're we're going to move on to a different way of fighting the universe and different reason and why it might not fight back. After a word from our sponsor. Oi, Angus! You smell like a ripe house! Oi, fuck off! Scottish bog soap. It's not English, but it'll do. And welcome back to the Arbitrarium Podcast. Uh, Please give our sponsors a visit. So... I'm probably not going to be able to fight the universe as a whole. Um, that, that just doesn't seem feasible. Um, I, I give a nasty left hook, but um, the, the, the universe as a whole will just take that punch. It's it's not it's not going down to that. So I'm wondering. The universe is made up of things. What things Supposedly, can I fight enough of? Theoretically, that allegedly. maybe maybe the universe will cry, Uncle. So let's start small. Let's let's start really small. Can I punch a quark? Yeah, I'm sure you could. Or probably would, have already, in fact. Probably many times. Probably a lot of quarks, mm, but then, yes. then then the quarks in my fist they might betray me. Yes. And and hmm. You so, are certainly outnumbered. So at best, this is a tie. At between best. the quarks. At best, and that's being um, plot armor generous. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <clears throat> so quark probably probably not fighting quarks effectively. And that, that will that logic will extend to individual atoms and molecules and um, I think we can go to cells. Okay. I, I think I might be able to fight a bacterium. I, <laughs> I do that on a daily basis. Yeah. We all do on a daily basis. Involuntarily. I mean, I I like... I think it's cool that I have uh, an army of microscopic (laughs) organisms that will fight to the death to preserve my life. And everyone does. So, you know, be proud of your immune system. Treasure it. Cherish it. Boost it every once in a while with some probiotics. Sometimes it betrays you, though. Yeah. You have things like MS and Mm. uh, Crohn's disease as an autoimmune? I believe so. Okay. Uh, Please correct us in the comments if we're wrong. But autoimmune diseases sometimes, you know, maybe they just didn't cherish their autoimmune, their immune, immune responses enough, and that's why they get these things. That was a joke. No offense to anybody who actually has an autoimmune disease. My heart goes out to you. It sounded like your cat might might have been upset by that. I think he's my cat Nico is always trying to fight the universe, and I, I commend him. <laughs> Except in his case, his the universe is his tail. True. Hey, two of our favorite people have autoimmune. Well. 
one of our favorite people and one that I kind of like. Um, they have autoimmune problems. Big ones. Who's that? Peterson and oh. his daughter Michaela. Oh. Definitely his daughter Michaela and definitely him. And that's why you eat beef. Nothing but beef. <laughs> that is a big part of it, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, yeah, so your plan is to fight the entire universe With my by sneezing system. on its toenails. No. No. By, by letting my immune system do its thing. And eventually, in a long enough timeline, it, it, it should win. I, You're going to die well before that timeline comes to a conclusion. Mm, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> okay, well, what about, what about bugs? You know, small... There, there are wasps that are microscopic. I think we've discovered the problem with this theory. You have to find something big enough... That I can fight. That you can kill it before you die, and that will also kill the universe. The problem like with that squirrel. is... Like a squirrel. How many squirrels would I have to kill to make the make the universe go uncle? I don't know. It's a really fucking stupid question, as we have established. I'm not sure how to answer that question. I'm not even really sure how to um, assemble the ideas necessary to answer that question. Hmm. All right. What if we invent a robot that takes matter and spits out live squirrels that I can punch. You know, the paperclip maximizer concept, but instead of paperclips, it's squirrels. I would say that if any of these harebrained schemes were feasible, the universe has the um, most idiotic <laughs> level caliber of, of hubris I can, I can possibly imagine because it just lets you do it. Just letting you do it. Because at any point in the process of creating this contraption, it could kill you. It could. Quickly. It could. But maybe it's just going for hum you know, humiliating me. And I'm trying to fight it physically because I'm too dumb to fight it any other way. So you're applying things to the universe at that point, though. Well, more, more than we've already established. <laughs> you're applying that it, that, it, that it will do something instead of just stand there like a punk bitch. That's true, but we established the universe wants something. Like, there's some something happening there, right? We, we'll, we, 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 we'll get into that later. Hypothetically, well, I'm getting... We hypothetically, for lack of better words, proved that, I guess. But... We, we have strongly if, asserted it, if nothing else. Yes, we have strongly asserted it, which means if, if that's the case, then the universe isn't just going to stand there like punch punk bitch and take it, because the universe... Sorry, it's been around a lot longer. I'm going to say it's probably a little wiser than you and is aware of the powers that it has and is probably also aware that it doesn't want to not exist anymore. Um, the only way that that plan would win is if the universe wants to die. And if the universe wants to die, you're just giving it what it wants, which means, really, you lose. But I win at the same time. No, no, you don't. <laughs> You give the universe exactly what it wants, and you die. I mean, the, the best thing the universe ever did was get its shit together and explode. So, <laughs> Well, its shit was already together. Wasn't that the problem? Yeah, it was bored. And it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to make shit by exploding, and that's pretty metal. <laughs> so why do you hate the universe if it's pretty metal? Because, I mean, there are things that are, that are pretty metal that you know I don't necessarily like. Scarification, for one. I mean, you see someone who's going into scarification, like, whoa, that's pretty metal. Not something I'd ever do, and I really don't approve of it, but, mm. you know. 
that you kind think of that thing. the universe and being so powerful over so long a period of time has just has just gone soft? I think it's gotten complacent. Mm. So that's your opportunity. Yeah. To blindside it with a squirrel printer. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the I have reservations. The the average mass of a squirrel is what? I don't fucking know. Um we'll say we'll say we'll say it takes two squirrels to make one kilogram of squirrel. That seems about fair. Sure, sure. I mean, they're small squirrels, but... Um, this and, is all bullshit. What's a little more bullshit? Right. <laughs> so I'd have to get a, a squirrel printer that... I think, I think we're running into another situation where I would not live long enough to punch enough squirrels. Yeah, that's the issue. You've got to find something big enough that you could, that you could kill it, and in a large enough number that it would kill the universe by extension. Hmm. Well, the only way that you, I don't see this, the problem is, at best, it's mutually assured destruction, because the, 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 the moment that the universe no longer exists, neither do you. All right, well, maybe this is a Cold War scenario, where the only thing keeping, you know, the universe from collapsing is my imminent threat to it, so it doesn't want to start too much shit, and I can't really do much to it, but it's like the Cold War. What makes you the best? At, what makes you the best person to kill the universe? What makes me the worst person to kill the universe? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not saying that you're the worst person to kill the universe. I just want to know what makes you the best person to kill the universe. Why has nobody else tried it? Why? Why are you the one that's going to succeed? What makes you so damn special, you bastard? Because everyone else cares too much. <laughs> yeah, that's the difference. I have met people who are far more nihilistic than you. Yeah, they have total lack of meaning. I have meaning in trying to fight the universe. Yeah, but the universe doesn't seem to give a shit. So it kind of wins. The universe's inherent nihilism beats your... petty bullshit. <laughs> it's just going to ignore you until you watch you punching air, punching squirrels until you die. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in that scenario the universe wins. It's observing you punching squirrels... And rage against it until you die. Not only do you lose, but you lose spectacularly in one of the most pathetic ways I can possibly imagine. I don't know. I you would... go out punching squirrels thinking that it's going to destroy the universe. <laughs> there would be some mention in a Guinness Book of World Records for the man who punched the most squirrels and invented a squirrel printing machine. You think that. <laughs> it would get to the point... Or I'd punch a squirrel, it'd die, it'd go back into the machine <laughs> to make a new live squirrel. I suppose we could... That's it. efficient, you only really need one squirrel. <laughs> well, no, we gotta, we've got to start cranking out even more, depending well, we on how fast entropy. that machine moves. We did discuss entropy. So, I mean, eventually, you punch that squirrel enough times, it's not going to have the constituent parts you need to uh, rebuild now the, question the squirrel. Is, is it making the same squirrel, or is it making different squirrels? Well, it's making different squirrels. Even if it's the same squirrel, it's different squirrels. What makes it a, diff a different squirrel? Causality. Go on. Well, it can't be the same squirrel because when you punch it and it dies, it's dead. It's not bringing back the same squirrel. It's just reassembling the physical properties of that squirrel. Okay, then what... And it, what, at a different is, point in time. What is resurrection? And that is losing... That, that squirrel that you punched is inevitably losing 
parts, right? It's losing spit, it's losing blood, it's losing hair, whatever whatever it's losing when you punch it is not well, necessarily... Now we're just talking about back. mechanical efficiency here, okay? If you can plug in matter, equal amount of matter and then get, you know, squirrel... Yeah, but you're not plugging in equal amount of matter unless you use more than one squirrel. If, if it just takes matter and then turns it into squirrels... Oh, well, that's not what you said. You said you would take uh, the I'm same saying, squirrel and feed I, it. I could conceivably do that. Okay. But it's Maybe. never going to be the whole squirrel. It won't be the... the, the I, I, we're getting back into that, you know, ship of Theseus thing, you know. <laughs> is, is, is the reconstituted squirrel from dead squirrel the same squirrel or is it different squirrel? You're saying different squirrel. Um... Yeah, but remember when we talked about the ship of Theseus, we also talked about how important uh, the, uh, the human perspective is. Right. On that, that was the that was the dependent factor of whether or not it was still the ship of Theseus. Is that did we recognize it as the ship of Theseus still? And if we did, then yeah, because it's made of meaning. So. And not the punch squirrel of Theseus. <laughs> <laughs> Theseus, the punched squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, now, write that down. That is this theory. That is the name of this theory. Theseus the Punched Squirrel. Theseus the Punched Squirrel. <laughs> I'm going to put an apostrophe there. Punch-ed. Yes. Well, it would be an accent, not necessarily an apostrophe. I didn't spell squirrel right. That's okay. So, but if this machine that I've made... To make Theseus the punched squirrel. <laughs> if if it programs the squirrel's brain the same way, so when it pops out, it's like, oh man, it's it's, it's existence. What is this? <laughs> plug plug in. Oh man, it's you. It's existence. The same. <laughs> if it thinks it's the same squirrel over and over and over again before it is brutally punched to death, it doesn't think that it's the same squirrel, does it? Do you know? Can you know? Remember, the only thing that made the ship of Theseus the ship of Theseus was that we gave it that name and we acknowledge it as the ship of Theseus. Right. Right. So if you are the only observer and you are saying that this is the same squirrel... Oh, no. Other people would be observing this. Well, then I'm it's sure certainly it. a different squirrel. <laughs> it is most certainly a different squirrel. Now, if the squirrel has the memories of the previous squirrel... <laughs> doesn't matter. I mean, I would say that it doesn't matter. So if if this the, the, although well you the know, final squirrel that pops out only remembers being birthed into existence and then being punched thousands and thousands <laughs> of times to death, <clears throat> it would have a, a a continuity of of uh, ex, uh, of memory, right? You're talking about a squirrel that remembers every time it's been punched into oblivion. Yes. Well, I think we have answered one particular question, which is, you are a fucking monster. You say monster, I say squirrel slayer extraordinaire. Right, okay, we, we named it Theseus, but really, but really, you know, this, this is, this is, this is, uh... Sisyphus. Sisyphus. <laughs> Sisyphus the squirrel. The punched squirrel. <laughs> Change it, that makes more sense. Sisyphus the punched squirrel. Yep. Sisyphus, the punch and squirrel. I don't know how to spell Sisyphus. Uh, S-Y-S... 
E P H U S. No, S I S Y P H U S. I believe that's it. Yeah, that looks. Sisyphus. That look. <laughs> you know. That that looks more Greek. I'm pretty sure that's it. All right. What the fuck are we talking about? Where are we at? What are we doing? Well, we we were talking about you know being able to kill enough small things to make the universe cry uncle. I don't think squirrels are the way, even with a Sisyphus punched squirrel machine. <laughs> Rube Goldberg would be proud. Depending on how I made it work, if it was just a series <laughs> of tubes and glass that pooped out a squirrel on one end and started with a dead squirrel on the other. Um, yeah, I, I that would that whole device would go contrary to my original assertion on how to how to beat the universe, which is stop entropy. This would be making so much entropy. This is like one of those sideshows you see on a dock by the beach. You know, you got the guy with the cats that are jumping through loops and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got the guy doing characters. And then you've got you with this machine that keeps feeding the same, you know... Squirrel carcass. Squirrel pile of squirrel meat <laughs> back into itself just so that you can kill the squirrel again. That's... I'm, I'm picturing... And in my head, what I'm hearing is sing, sing, sing. You know, the Rube Goldberg song. <laughs> Or maybe Flight of a Bumblebee. I could see that, too. That would be okay. a good song. Could I destroy enough stars? Not necessarily with my fists. I'm not that hubristic. Well, it is feasible for one man to kill a star. With, with a the lot right of tools. help. <laughs> with the right tools. With the right tools. Um, so how does one kill a star? I don't know, but I, I, I. To me, it seems absurd to say that it's not possible for a man to kill a star. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are ways. Um, okay, you could you could throw another star into it. That would that would shorten the star's life. Because contrary to popular belief, um, it, a star is not like a like a, a campfire, where if you, as long as you keep feeding it fuel, it'll keep burning. The bigger the star is, the shorter the life. Mm. Because it burns through its fuel even faster. Mm. So the longest living stars in the universe are are itty bitty little little brown or little red dwarves. Um they they just started their lives. If they were born at the beginning of the universe, thirteen point eight billion years ago, they've still got another hundred trillion years to live. Mm. They're they're efficient little bastards. But um, something like, I think it's YV Canis. I, I wish Kirky were here to do this. But, but stars that are absolutely massive, you know, might, might only live a million years. But they, they, will, they will go off with so much passion. You're, you're, talking, you're talking explosions that make entire galaxies, you know, seem dim in comparison. If, if you can outshine 400 billion stars, um, that, that is a death to remember, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to kill a star. You're actually going to kill many stars. Yes, I'm going to have to kill... Trillions. Uh, let's see, least, there's... Theoretically. There's, there's 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Still um, not even scratching the surface. Right. And there, there's at least 100 billion galaxies. In the observable universe. 
Ah. And that's a pretty big thing. That's one of the biggest things we know about <laughs> that you can physically think of as one object. That that is, you know, physically connected to itself. True. Hmm. Outlook not good. Black holes are bigger, right? Are they not? Uh, they're more massive. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it, it depends on depends on how you you determine big. Mm. <laughs> if you're going by mass, then yeah, they're they're some of the most massive things in existence. If you're going by physical size, well, they're they're, they're absolutely tiny. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Um. Yeah. I don't think I can fight the universe in any meaningful way. No. No. See, that was my theory from the beginning. Unless Shit. I reverse entropy. <laughs> Alright, how are you going to reverse entropy? And well, why would that work? Well, um... The, the the universe is moving towards something, right? This is what it wants. Seems to be that way. Okay. If we can arrest entropy, we can keep it from going where it wants. We can make it static. Okay, well first let's establish what it seems like it wants. So if entropy, what is the end result of entropy? Because if entropy is the natural state of, or the natural process of things, what is the end? Well, you've got a few different, few different outcomes there. Um, maximized entropy would be a big rip scenario. Um, you've got a few different ideas on how the universe will end. Uh, one of the most popular ones for a long time was the Big Crunch, uh, the opposite of the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And this was predicated on the assumption that uh, gravity would eventually win out and that the universe would start collapsing mm -hmm. until it went back into that point mass well, it's going to get real hot before then. Yeah, well, gravity being that powerful at that level, would it, it, it's going to get real hot, but it's not going to get hot enough until the universe decides, all right, I'm going to reinvent myself again and then detonate into another Big Bang. So one of the uh, cosmological ideas of... Reinvent itself. Yes. So what you're basically saying is that the universe is David Bowie. Or Madonna. I prefer David Bowie, so I'm going to go with that. But Madonna's still alive. She is. We lost the good one. <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the idea was cycles of Big Bang and Big Crunch, right? Well, we find out that the universe is not actually slowing down in its expansion. It's actually speeding up. And it's like, okay, what the hell's going on there? where you get the concept of dark energy. There's something counteracting gravity and accelerating rate. So, you've got a few different in-game scenarios on that one. Um, and it depends on the strength of gravity, which we still haven't quite figured out. The strength of uh, dark energy. And the, the proportions thereof. If gravity can still is still strong enough to maintain um, local local dominance over over dark energy, then you're going to end up where 
when all the stars burn out eventually, but they're going to be kind of more or less in the same area. <clears throat> and uh, in a few billion to a trillion years, you, you'll still have a galaxy going, you know, doing its thing, spinning around a supermassive black hole at its core. But everyone in that galaxy can only see that galaxy. Because every other galaxy, universe, or space-time will be expanding at such a rate <clears throat> that no light from another galaxy can get to the home galaxy. Mm. So everything will just look dark. To those people, the entire universe will be nothing but that one galaxy. Hmm. So that's, that's one scenario. Another one is heat death. Which that, if there's if there's not a name for a metal band, <laughs> I've I've never heard one that that has to be heat death. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Opened by Tokamak. <laughs> I, I would watch that. I'd go to that show. Um, nerd metal. <laughs> heat death is well. Um, ev everything just kind of burns out because of that because entropy and. Well, as that maximizes, it uses up more and more fuel to create more and more disorder. And because there's nothing there that can carry thermal energy, well, everything just gets fucking cold. Heat itself dies as a concept. Mm -hmm. So that's heat death. And then you have the big rip. And this is a scenario where dark energy so vastly outproportions um, gravity that... Tears the universe into shreds. Yes, yeah. Rips it even beyond constituent particles. Mm -hmm. Like even even protons dissolve over time. Rips it a new mass hole. Yeah. The, the only things that might survive for any significant period of time would be supermassive black holes. Mm. Black holes are also kind of like stars. And that the more massive they are, or the opposite of stars, excuse me, the more massive they are, the longer they last. Mm-hmm. Due to uh, Hawking radiation, which is an That's the radiation emitted from the event horizon, right? Kinda. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna get into uh, interactions of quantum mechanics with relativistic objects that are actually quantum objects because they're it's 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 weird. Okay, so I know we're we're losing the comedy a bit here, but I'm I'm curious. You me mechanic versus what, what was it? You just made a differentiation there. Quantum mechanics. Yeah. And general relativity. Okay. What 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 are the differences? What's the difference between those two things? All right. Before that, I get into level? this, I am not a physicist. <laughs> I have collected this knowledge over years of. But he plays one in the bedroom. It's thank a weird thing. Thank you. <laughs> How would it's you know? A, a Why were you there? <laughs> Aha! My trick. It succeeded. It is confirmed. Are you the reason I have a son? <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I only said that to get that pause. <laughs> okay. I say again, I am not a physicist. Everything I know is probably half right, half wrong. Please correct me in the comments section. 
It's assembled years of watching PBS Space Time and attending some astrophysics lectures at IUPUI. Uh, so, in a nutshell, general relativity is the physics of the very large. It, it is things like planet scale and up. It is how light interacts with space, how it, it's the reason we have gravity, at least the general relativity description of gravity. So everything moves in a straight line. You might think that a, plan, that a planet is orbiting its star. It's not. It's moving in a straight line. What's making the curve is the mass of the star bending space-time in such a way that the, the straight line moves in a circular path. Mm. It changes the geometry of space-time in such a way to make that happen. Right. Same thing with gravity on a planet. You might think that you're just spinning around on the planet. You're not. You're going in a straight line. The planet just keeps pulling you back. So what's the straight line then? Like All that actually made perfect sense to me, but when, you're t when you say that it's moving in a straight line, where is it moving from and to? Um, if, 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 if you took away space-time as a, a bending factor, there, where would it be moving from and to? From its point of origin to its point of destination. That's as close as I can give you. Right, so we just don't <laughs> know. <laughs> um, con conceivably, everything would be moving from the position that the universe was started, started to right. away from that point. Right. Okay. Uh, that that's as good an answer I can give you. Worked. It's well enough. Works well enough for me. Quantum mechanics is the is the physics of the very small. Yeah. We're okay. talking, you know, quarks, muons. Look, just just Google right now the standard model chart. Mm -hmm. If you can't find a chart on that, you need to really sharpen your Google skills. Just in Google Images. The standard model. <clears throat> You'll see a, a chart that has a bunch of different little particles, and it, it's a surprisingly small chart. It's smaller than the uh, elemental table. Makes sense, you know, quantum mechanics and all. Sure. Um, there are people who understand quantum mechanics, but no one understands quantum mechanics as it relates to general relativity. Mm. So, general relativity works. We've done countless experiments. It it, it it bears itself out. Once you get <clears throat> small enough, though... Quantum mechanics, shit gets quantum weird. field theory, is that all these little particles that, are, that make up the standard model are actually fluctuations in uh, fields that exist in the universe. To understand those, you kind of have to understand or virtual particles, and virtual particles relate to quantum mechanics, or excuse me, not quantum mechanics, Hawking radiation. Mm. So, one one interpretation of quantum field theory is that um, at, the, at the very, 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 very smallest of scales, you've got a universal quantum foam of particles popping into existence and then immediately out of existence because they meet their, their virtual anti, mm. <clears throat> or their virtual opposite, right. their anti-particle. So they immediately annihilate each other therefore never really existed, but they did, kinda. Mm. Quantum mechanics gets weird <laughs> when you're used to thinking in terms of general relativity. Mm. I like GR. It's fun. Quantum field theory scares me. <laughs> <laughs>
So you've got all these little particles interacting, and each one of these fields does a different, you know, kind of governs a different, um, different aspect. For instance, um, electromagnetism is 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 carried by the photon, which is you know and a little fluctuation in the electromagnetic field. Mm -hmm. You've got the Higgs boson, often called the God particle, and I hate that description. My God, it's so just headliney. Mm -hmm. It someone it's a buzzword. A, a journalist coined that just to get their yeah. their their, their it's a buzzword. article in circulation and people talking about it, which then got all the religious fundamentalists like they're trying to say God's a particle. No, <laughs> no, God, please stop. Uh, it's just a Higgs boson. Yeah, that. It it is it it is the 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 carrier of the Higgs field, which helps gives electrons mass. It gives electrons mass, not everything mass as as people think think it does. If you could, if you, if you could manipulate the Higgs field in any way you want, you wouldn't suddenly have anti gravity, for instance, because you know being able to counteract the gravitational force of of a massive object. That's, that's not you. You'd be able to make electrons go the speed of light. I suppose maybe mm -hmm. um, something that has mass cannot move the speed of light. Light because it has no mass can only move at the speed of light. So that's that's kind of one of those weird places where GR and Q QFT kind of agree. <laughs> so. I just keep asking questions here, and we're getting sort of off topic, but yeah. that's okay. Um, when we're talking about the the, the speed of light, you you mm. mentioned that it was you know basically the speed of causality. Yes. So why why are those the same? All right. Why does light travel at that speed? In a vacuum, because mm -hmm. light can travel at different speeds depending on what medium it's going through. Mm. <clears throat> As to why, untrammeled, I, I guess maybe untrammeled I, light. Yeah, and it, when there's nothing in the way, right? Um, I don't know. Okay. Um, you'd have to talk to an actual physicist <laughs> to to get okay. that answer. Fair enough. But um, you're building a model of yeah things in my head. So. It it has been explained to me. I don't remember the answer. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> One of the things that the people who are listening to this podcast will probably realize at a certain point is that um, I can conceptualize things very, very quickly and really play with them very, very quickly. But as far as remembering what the fuck I was just talking about and be able to expand on it, if I step away from it, even for a fucking second. For one, just one split <laughs> fucking second. Yeah. No, then I'm done. I've got that there's a reason I sit down and try and write an entire chapter without getting up. Because if I don't, then when I sit back down, i got to read the whole damn thing again. Mm. And then I end up writing in between the lines, and then in between those lines, because I think of stuff while I'm reading it. You know, I have mm. that problem. I'm terrible at maintaining the, the filing cabinet of information that I bring in. If I have a filing cabinet, I have to read all the information every time I open the drawer. That's fair. Yeah. Well, that's mostly for I, you, actually, so you understand why I'm such a fucking idiot sometimes. That's how my brain works. Oh, I've known that forever, Dave. Oh, okay. Well, that's why we can have the same conversation multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> 
gives Garrett a chance to brag about the information over and over and over again. Okay, that's an ash, not a bug. Okay, we're good. Mm. Mm, good In my you. water. A little bit of carbon never hurt anybody. I don't care about ash. Carbon-14, if you get enough of it, though, it's radioactive. Because <laughs> I know. That's how carbon dating works. Mm. Anyway. Um, so, as far as the universe fighting you... Actually, it's probably a good time for a break. Maybe we'll maybe we'll take a, a break, mm -hmm. and then and then we'll come back and answer some of the. Uh, we'll try try and bring it back to uh, why you are inevitably going to fail at fighting the universe. That's fair. All right. Now a word from our sponsors. Oi! You hear that? Oi! In the thicket. Rush him! Oh dear. When you work up a, a sweat like this, you'll need a soap as strong as a Highlander. Get back here, you eat holy! And that soap is Scottish Bog. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Over the break, a thought occurred to me. That in a my, thought occurs. <clears throat> yes. And not, not the that hoe over there type. Speaking of which, where's my wife? <laughs> I don't know. When was Edit she supposed out. to be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will try, but it's going to be buried in the middle of this. Okay. <clears throat> in my attempts to fight the universe, I may be solely responsible for the creation of uh, the, the, the final world to live on. Some people in the audience may know of the concept of the Kardashev scale of civilization. And it, it starts at zero, which is, well, really, really nothing's going on in the way of civilization. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking and about. And then it scales up to uh, Kardashev 1, which mm. some people say we're a Kardashev 1 civilization. I don't agree. Our energy consumption isn't nearly enough. I'd say we're like maybe a point. 5.6. How high does the scale go in? Um, Kardashev himself topped it out at, at 3. Okay. Okay. And a Kardashev scale 3. But there are some some people that like to expand it to a Kardashev 9, which <sighs> is insane. At that so, point, are we just energy beings existing inside energy worlds? So we're basically just energy or something? I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. There are and there are other scales of measuring civilizations, um, more on the technological than scale size of things. Like that movie AI, that horrible bullshit of, of a film. What movie? AI, the one with the, that kid from The Sixth Sense and Jude Law. I'm sorry, Law you, you keep saying your your mouth moves, but something just blanks out. <laughs> I have that effect on people. Um, AI was a movie. It was a movie with, with the kid from The Sixth Sense. I don't remember his name. I just keep hearing it's a movie. Okay. I'm making the, I'm not even hearing the, the title AI. That's the joke I'm trying to get across. Oh, okay. Well, so, no. then just continue what you were talking about then. <laughs> I'm just going to keep drinking wine. Uh, the, what were the aliens in that? I, I thought they were just like some benevolent... Oh, They're this like is beings a boy of... who, was a, who was loved, even though it's he's been a robot. It's been years. He wasn't a robot. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. Pretty a robot. sure the boy was a robot. No, Jude Law was a robot. Yeah, he was a robot gigolo. <laughs> In my head, I just heard, "I'm just a gigolo." Beep boop beep boop. <laughs> Which you know, 
thanks to those, those real sex dolls, I suppose we're getting closer to needing a robot gigolo. Anyway. This is like the hub. This is like the train hub. We are derailing in all directions. At once. So, a, a true a, a Kardashev one-scale civilization um, utilizes all the energy that falls on their planet. And I mean utilizes it, not just, you know, lets it radi- radiate away into space or anything like that. It's they they might use it in the form of solar. They might use they might uh, use any kind of energy generation that you might need, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's a lot of fucking energy. A Kardashev two scale civilization uses all the energy produced by their home star, which is orders of magnitude more. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a neat little jumping off point. Once you're at a Kardashev two scale civilization. Um, the, my favorite analogy of, uh, a Kardashev two-scale civilization declaring war on the planet Earth as it exists today isn't so much like the United States declaring war on Liechtenstein. It's more like the entire NATO alliance declaring war on a particularly smart three-year-old. Yes, I can, I can the, see the, that. Giving the idea of the, the power disparity there. <laughs> Even using, like, modern-day technology. You could build a, t- a Kardashev II civilization using modern-day technology. It'd take a while, but there's no reason we couldn't build O'Neill cylinders. I will get into that in a moment. A three-year-old, for you know, to his credit, has, you know, ma- mastered the, 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 um... Wow, see, I lost it. Yep. I lost it. And it's never coming back. No. A Kardashev's three civilization uses and utilizes all the energy of their home galaxy. Okay. Again. So this is just this is just scales of, of energy consumption. Yeah, more or less. Okay. Um, and it, don't think about about it in terms of consumption, but utilization. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, there are scales above, like a four might use that are in their whole galactic cluster and but <clears throat> for our intents and purposes we're just going to go we're going to stop at three object permanence what about it that was what i was getting at a three-year-old that to his credit has mastered object permanence most have at that point yeah i was going to say a three-year-old who is you know actually mastered differential calculus oh well that is impressive for a three-year-old yes it's impressive for a three-year-old but nothing in comparison to the power of entire nato <laughs> <clears throat> So, I would if I were to tr- actually fight the universe and give an ultimate power and let's say infinite longevity, I would you're start. You're not asking much. No, not at all. I mean, if you can't get that by Tuesday, you're, what are you doing with your life? Hey, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I I would start with uh, building a. a some some O'Neill, O'Neill cylinders, which are orbital habitats. They're mm-hmm. a, a classic one, I believe, is um, twenty kilometers long and five kilometers in diameter. And you got two of them that are counter rotating, so that they balance each other out. Mm-hmm. And you can fit about a city, a city's worth, a little bit more than the city's worth, inside one of those things. And while, while we're building that, I'd also start disassembling Mercury. Who needs Mercury? 
I mean, it's a nice little planet, but it could be so much more. If we just start building, orbiting, or star, soul orbiting, um, power sats. And then turning those into more O'Neill cylinders. And over the course of a few thousand years, we'd have the majority of our population just orbiting the star in a Dyson swarm. People have heard of a Dyson sphere, typically from that episode of Star Trek, where it's a, a solid structure encompassing a star mm -hmm. that the Enterprise gets trapped in, and then you never hear about that ever again. I think that'd be one major scientific development or discovery. Once you've, once you've built that Dyson swarm, and it's, this, it's a bunch of little satellites that collect most of the star's energy. Once you've got that, you've got the ability to move the star by making everything orbit in such a way that you're turning the light of the star itself into a rocket. You're turning the light into a rocket? Yes. Light doesn't have mass, but it does exert pressure. Hmm. I didn't know that about light. Yep. It exerts um, pressure? Yes, through momentum. Light hmm. doesn't have mass, but it does have momentum. Hmm. Which, once you get really, really down, it's there's... They don't become interchangeable, but they can be used for some of the same things. Hmm. So once you get that star moving, well, you can start moving it through the galaxy in any direction you want. And by this point, <clears throat> you may or may not have disassembled the entire solar system. We might keep Earth around just because it's sentimental. And this whole time, you're also using the light of the star to accelerate little colonization spaceships. And after about a thousand or three or thirty million years or so. Uh, even using modern-day technology and no FTL, no faster-than-light travel whatsoever, you could conceivably build a Dyson s or swarm around every star in the galaxy. Okay. Now you are a true Kardashev three civilization. You're capturing and either storing or using on the spot the entire energy output of a galaxy. This is a mind-boggling amount of energy. But we're gonna at that point. You're gonna have a mind-boggling amount of people. A Dyson swarm could contain, I believe, forty trillion Earths worth of living space. So you would have tiny religious sects of cultists that are in the billions. Mm. <laughs> That's a lot of Kool-Aid, man. Craft. I know you're never going to consider sponsors, <laughs> but if you are... If you do, we will make so many awful commercials. We will. Not for free, though. The price has got to be right. Anyway. If the price isn't right, it becomes a parody. So you've got, you've got these... Uh, when, you, when you decide to move a star that way, that structure is called a Shikotov thruster. It, it doesn't move very fast, or it doesn't accelerate very quickly, but over a long enough span of time, you can accelerate a star as, as, long, as, you, as long as the star is active, I suppose. <clears throat> so, let's say every star in the galaxy has a Shikotov thruster around it. And we decide, you know what? You know what would be even cooler than this? We're going to collapse, we're going to move all these stars towards the center of the galaxy and use their material to build the final planet. And as the, the god king of, of the Milky Way at this point, 
That is what I will command. What would happen to physics in the galaxy? Would it change much? No, the physics would be the same. Do you have a galaxy at that point? What what is a galaxy really? It's a whole <laughs> bunch of stars. Not just a whole bunch of stars. I mean orbiting a or, orbiting a, a black hole? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I had that right cuz that's what it was in my head, but I was like, am I misremembering that? Yeah, it's it's orbiting a, a supermassive black hole. Yeah. We're going to build a hypermassive black hole. Using the the, the vast biggest m- blackest hole. Yes. Using most of those stars that we've captured in Kishikadov thrusters and um, crashing them into the black hole to really beef that boy up. Till it has a an event horizon that um, I believe is about 0.48 light years across. Okay. Yeah. Then the rest of the material in the galaxy we use to build a shell world around that black hole. Where the lowest point of the shell world has a gravity has gravity of about one point zero one g, and then you build uh, about two hundred and eighty million more shells on top of that, each spaced about a hundred kilometers apart, using active support to support the whole structure, which can be powered by the black hole. You know, you'd think standing on the planet that's safe, right? But if you really think about it, you're standing on top of a radioactive volcano that could go off at any moment. That's crazy. Just a, any given planet. Yeah. Well, okay, any yeah. rocky planet like, well, like yeah, Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Mars, you wouldn't have that problem. But you know, you'd think standing on Earth, that's safe. <clears throat> Not really, if you think about it that way. Okay. Because this, this is a radioactive black hole. One of the reasons Earth is... Earth is uh, it, it has Are there a, any non-radioactive black holes? Or Did I say black hole? I meant volcano. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah. As far We're as standing know, on top of a radioactive volcano. Okay. Um... One of the reasons Earth is the way it is is because of we have a, a lot of fissionables in our core. Mm. Things like, you know, uranium. Right, right. A black hole, people think black hole, oh, that's scary as all hell. Well, the black hole is far more predictable than a radioactive volcano. Yes. It, it It's it's a quantum object. It, Macro organization. It, it's super dense, yes, and if you fall into it, you're going to have a bad time. How long would that bad time last? Depends on the size of the black hole. Mm. The bigger, the worse. Mm. <laughs> mm. But you build your shell world on top of that. You wouldn't actually experience the uh, the spaghettification effect because the black hole is so large. Mm. The, um, in a strange way, the bigger the black hole, you know, the worse way to die because you're going to feel more of it, but um, the gentler it is because you can get Relatively, or relatively closer to it without mm. experiencing too much time dilation and uh, too much tidal stress. Mm. Spaghettification is what happens when you experience the tidal stress of a uh, black hole. You get stretched to the point that you split into spaghetti strings. And uh, you you might feel that depending on how... Yeah, see, yeah, something it, that intense seems like it would have to happen really quick in my brain, but that's not how those things work. It just seems like something that insane, like from a black hole, would be... It seems in my brain, that would, that in my mind, it would be instantaneous. Yeah. Um, like, so fast you wouldn't even feel it. But that, If it's a small black hole, yes, that's okay. what would happen there. 
Okay. Of course, if it's a really small black hole, it would explode before you really had a chance to feel much of anything. Uh-huh. Smaller black holes detonate very fast. The smaller the black hole, the shorter the life. Mm. Also, the smaller the explosion. Right. You could potentially, if you can make back black holes, make little black hole artillery weapons that you know, time their black hole generation and accelerate to the point that it, it air bursts. Mm. I mean, at that point, why are, why are you even fighting? You've mastered black holes. <laughs> <laughs> so you build this shell world that is like 1.27 light years in diameter. The, the, living, the surf, livable surface area of this bastard is 11 times the surface area of all the planets in the known universe. Okay. With with a power output to match. Because all you got to do is just live off that that uh that Hawking radiation from that black hole. Going back to virtual particles. So Hawking radiation is what happens when those virtual particle pairs can't meet up. One ends up in the event horizon. It's antiparticle. Well, it's just free to go wherever the fuck it wants now. Hmm. So it's spawned into existence, and the it, it goes and does its thing, and then it, it'll probably get annihilated by another, you know, similar particle of equal-ish mass, because um, you're going to have more or less equal parts antimatter and matter. Everybody given... needs a devil. Exactly. <clears throat> so you can you can live off the Hawking radiation on a birch world, or a birch planet. That's what this final structure is called. Living off of the, of the Hawking radiation? Yeah. You didn't, you didn't really make that connection there. It's, it's a source of energy. Okay, so you're just taking the, the runoff from that. Well, so they don't, they, they don't destroy each other, you're talking about Hawking radiation. So no, they, they, they are destroying each other. I said that they weren't. Because one went off into the black well, hole. The other okay, one. yes, those aren't though, that particular pair is not destroying each other. Okay, but that virtual particle is probably not long for this world because it's going to find another vir- or another particle. Once that's split it's up, not they're the no identical longer virtual opposite. particles. Oh, okay, that is now a a full particle. Mm. It exists and is not immediately oh. annihilated. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're right, almost kind of talking about the like black the, hole the is a matter a generator. <laughs> well, okay. Makes I want to make sure I'm conceptualizing this properly, it almost sounds like we're talking about the birth of a particle. Yeah. Okay. So, and a particle is only born when it doesn't meet that, its initial opposite. Um, so, those separate, the, and, that opposite goes into the black hole, it goes off and does what it wants, but it's still going to meet something out there that's going to kill it. Maybe. More, more than, than likely, likely. More right. than likely. Okay. But that's not the only way particles are created. Okay. Um, fluctuations in the quantum field that actually stabilize... And that that can happen too, yeah. Okay. The quantum foam is a crazy thing. You know, life finds a way. <laughs> I want to talk more about the quantum foam, but we're running out of time. We are. <laughs> I'm so, deeply interested in the quantum. By foam. collapsing the entirety of the Milky Way into, in, into a into a hypermassive black hole with a shell world around it, to try and fight entropy, if we can do that to every galaxy. We can win. Okay. Join me, my brothers and sisters, in my fight against the universe. 
I, I, I can I can maybe conceive of you doing that to one universe and maybe multiple you universes. Mean one one galaxy? Or yeah, galaxy, sorry. One galaxy, maybe even multiple galaxies. I have a hard time believing that you are going to live to do it to every galaxy. We're back at that problem. Yeah, well. Fuck me, right? A man can only do so much. <laughs> and and if my legacy is to but build But you are the man that wants to beat the universe, that wants to that wants to just well. You, you've heard really that phrase, shoot for the star. You're the supervillain. Huh? You're the greatest supervillain of all time. If I end up pulling off a birch, war, birch planet... You'll take that title. I will take that, yeah. <laughs> that That's fine. <laughs> I will b- murder billions of stars <laughs> to preserve my species' heritage. <laughs> fun, fun, you know, this kind of interesting little fact, or, a, you know, stipulation about a birch planet is it's probably the biggest single thing that can actually be governed by one body. You think so? Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine an entire planet even being governed by one body. Yeah, th- that that's fair. I'm not saying it would be, but it it potentially could be. Do you think we're if if we're uh, this is kind of off topic, but still really inter- a really interesting question, maybe for a different podcast, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um do you think if we if the the entire planet Earth, uh, we'll use that mm-hmm. as an example. If the entire planet becomes governed by one one body, do you think it's possible to have that happen and not have some what of a monoculture? A lot would depend on how that government would operate. I just happen to think about that. Yeah, it's like if we're going to have one govern one government over the entire planet, it seems like we would almost inevitably have to be. It's at least somewhat of a monoculture. Multiculturalism would almost have to cease to exist in, in, in any meaningful way. That That's a tough one, because it, it would depend on... We would have a, a human culture. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that we have kind of a human culture. We do, but we th- that human um, culture is all still divided up into cult- yeah. into different cultures. Yeah, the, subcultures. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um it would but I, I think a big part of it would depend on what kind of government you end up with. Mm. Um is it is it a tolerant government is it an intolerant government? If it's an intolerant government then they're going to try to do a, a, a monoculture but they're going to fail cuz a lot of people are going to rebel. Mm. Um if you have a tolerant government, they're going to more likely succeed at making a monoculture, but it's it's going to be the mon- it's it's not going to be a true monoculture in the sense of like I don't know the Borg. Mm. You're, right. You're, you're not going to end up with a hive mind. Kind of everyone acts the same and everyone believes the same because mm. it's I just don't see that actually happening outside of well. Tyranny? <laughs> Neuralink. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. Um, just because there's going to be little variations that are going to cause, that are going to butterfly into bigger things. Mm-hmm. Different people face different stresses, which forces different cultural adaptations to survive that particular environment. Right. Um, I, think, I think of cultures as being an extension of evolution. Yeah. I can see that. If you try to take the Inuit culture and, uh, I don't know, slam it smack dab in the middle of the South Pacific, 
that culture is not going to survive. Mm -hmm. um, if you take the culture of New York City and then slap it smack dab in the middle of the Amazon, that's not going to last very long either. I don't know, have you met New Yorkers? Yeah, they talk a big game, but you know, you remove them from their city and they don't know what to do. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just imagining a New Yorker in that situation. It's like, it's the biggest fucking mosquito I've ever seen in my life. You want to fight? <laughs> I was trying to think of him trying to hail a cab from a slot. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, I love multi or mega structures and uh, an O'Neill cylinder and a birch world and a. Uh, Dyson Swarm, that's really just scratching the surface. You've got McKendry cylinders, you've got Matrioska brains. Uh, Would you consider yourself a colonizer? That is such a loaded question <laughs> in this day and age. Oh, it is so loaded. It is so fucking loaded. Um, I would I would go colonize Mars. Okay. Okay, let me let me let me put a caveat on that. Five years ago, if you would have asked, hey, I got a free ticket to go to Mars and colonize it. By the way, you're not coming back and you most probably will die horribly. You, you would wanna... take, you up, take it up? I would, I would go do that. But now you have a son. And you're married. But I have a family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't think Mars is a good place for an infant. I think Elton John wrote a song about that. He did? Spaceship dude, something like that. I have no idea. Pocket man, Garrett. There's no one there to raise your kids, even if you did. He's the rocket man. Hmm. Bur bur burning out his fuse up there alone. You've heard the song Rocket Man. I have heard of the song Rocket Man. I've not listened to it all the way through. You've never heard Rocket Man all the way through? I've heard it. I didn't listen to it all the way through. Okay, okay. Fair enough. To be fair, this is another one of those situations where David Bowie's better. To me, there are two songs about Rocket Men, and one of them is better than the other. Space Odyssey. Um, Space Oddity. Oddity, sorry. Space Oddity is infinitely better, in my opinion, than Rocket Man, although I also like Rocket Man. But. I wouldn't go infinitely. I'd go exponentially. Okay, fair enough. You know, that, that's at least quantifiable. <laughs> you materialistic son of a bitch. <laughs> okay. okay. You gotta start somewhere. <clears throat> to quote Boyd Tinley. Tinsley. So, uh, why won't the universe fight me? Because it knows it will win. No, because it wants me to make a birch planet in the attempt. Why, because it can't do it itself? No. No. It... Why, why? You, you seem to know an awful lot about this universe. You have to study your foe very carefully. Okay. You think the universe hasn't studied its foe very carefully? No, I think I'm beneath its notice. <laughs> okay. You are a true American. <laughs> the underdog always wins, even if it's a man against the entire fucking universe. When I, when I see a, a completely natural Dyson Swarm that was not built by intelligent hands... Then I will believe that the universe could construct a birth planet. Just for me, because it respects me now. 
because I, I dared to spit in its eye. You know what? That's a great bookend. I feel like we started with a fucking stupid question and we ended with a equally, almost <laughs> perfectly equally fucking stupid answer. That's fair. I think, I think, I think we're good. And we are at, for those of you who don't know, we do these in the evening, so we are at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the dot right now. I think we've, I think we've done it. I, I think, think we've I gone think, exactly think, nowhere. I think we've answered why the universe won't fight me. Take that, science. Take that. You're in for a battle in your soggy cunt! Bloody hell. Scottish bog soap. Oi, there he is! Shit. <laughs>